This is the Rundown. Rundown. The Rundown. Hosted by Luke Lipinski. 98.7 FM. Arizona's Sports Station. Live from the Auction Community Studios for the next two hours. Luke Lipinski here with you. Cody Fincher behind the glass. Cody Fincher is always behind the glass. Bear, I believe, has been there since uh, the last time we did a show, which is, uh, it was last week. I just live here. <laughs> Pretty much just live here. Um, are you planning on winning $850 million tonight? Well, with the way Gambo was talking about it, <laughs> he was pretty it'd confident. be nice. He made it, it. I could use a villa in Lake Como or yeah. wherever he wants to, wherever he was talking about. Um, I do laugh, though, every time the, the jackpot gets this big and everybody's freaking out. And by the way, Mega Millions is $850 million uh, tonight. I believe you have till 9 o'clock for the, uh, the drawing. But, they took down the billboard that I used to look at on my drive here, so now I don't even know what it is. <laughs> well, I, I've played the lottery once in my life, and I don't think I got anywhere near close, so I'm just like, eh, whatever. What would be worse, like to, to play and not get any of the numbers right, or to play just and get just enough right where you don't win anything, but you got some right, so you could get like excited. like You get the first three numbers right, like, hey, and then nothing. That would be worse. I'd rather get nothing anywhere close. Rather just lose in the first quarter of the Super Bowl if I'm going to lose, not in the last play of the game. I'd rather not make the playoffs than lose in the Super Bowl. Well, you've come to the right place because that's what we're doing around here. Uh, Yeah, no, I just always laugh when people are like, oh, now that it's $850 million, I'll play. But when it's $80 million, that's not enough for my time. Like, as if you knew if you were going to win the $80 million, you wouldn't. I'll only end up with forty because (laughs) they're going to take it in taxes. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, that is immediately how you talk when you have won multi-million dollars. Um, That's how I would talk. Yeah, well, it's it's how you should talk. All right, uh, let's, let's start here. Let's start with the Phoenix Suns, a very conflicting uh, afternoon yesterday because on the one hand, it's just great to have the Suns back and playing games again, and that was not a given even when we woke up yesterday morning that they were going to be able to play Memphis yesterday afternoon because all of a sudden Memphis had potential stuff going on, but they did not uh, have any issues. The Suns were able to play, so that was the good. The bad was that they lost to Memphis, so now they're just a half game up on the Grizzlies that is a team, even though they have John ja Morant, and they're probably a little bit better than even I give them credit for, the, the Grizzlies. That's still a team, if you're the Suns, you need to be finishing ahead of in the standings if you want to go where you planned on going at the start of this season. So, you know, kind of back and forth there. Yeah, okay, that's great. We get to play, but we lost to Memphis. But DeAndre Ayton looked like a legitimate first-rounder, a legitimate top-five pick yesterday. Now, he didn't go out there and put up 30 points. He's not... You know, it, it was just a really good performance. It answered the question, at least temporarily, of would you rather have DeAndre Ayton have an amazing performance or would you rather have the Suns win? I'd rather have the Suns win. <laughs> but it was it was encouraging. I don't want to undervalue what happened yesterday. He goes for 18 and 16, but as it usually is with Ayton, it's just more the way it looked. Like, I know if you are just an NBA fan, you're like, okay, big deal, 18 and 16. That That's not, you know, that does happen sometimes. Uh, but I think Andre Drummond went off for, did he go for 33 and 23 last week? Like, guys, get rebounds. Rudy Gobert had a big game earlier. I mean, this this happens. But it's not that. It's the way Aiton looked. Aiton looked yesterday the way I have to think the Suns envisioned him looking all the time when they took him number one overall. And I will just say this, it's one game, I get that, 
but it's really the first time he has looked that good since they've added Chris Paul, since this season started. And so, if nothing else, now you have that game yesterday to point to on film. If you have to pull it up. Maybe maybe yesterday was just a turning point. You don't have to point to it on film. But if Ayton goes out there and just kind of looks like, okay, yeah, DeAndre Ayton just kind of cruising to 14-10 and 10 tomorrow against Houston, well, then Chris Paul or Monty Williams or whoever can pull him aside on Thursday and be like, hey, look at this video of you against Memphis on Monday. Keep doing this. It's not, it's not like, hey, here's video of Shaq being dominant, or here's Hakeem Olajuwon, or all the other people that Aiton was compared to when he was drafted. He was like, he was supposed to be Shaq and Wilt and Hakeem and David Robinson all rolled into one, which would be the greatest athlete in the history of the world. But it's not, it's not video of somebody else. It's not a hypothetical of, hey, we think we, we can get you to do this someday. No, now you can just say, look at this game on Monday. Not look at this game from your rookie year or look at what you did against ASU in college. No, no. Look at this NBA game you just played on Monday. Keep doing this. 18-16 and 16 for DeAndre Ayton yesterday. It was such a strange game because you got that from Ayton. You actually got a bad game from Devin Booker, which you don't usually get. You almost never get. What was the stat? This is the ninth time in Booker's career that he had missed 12 or more two-point shots in a game. He was 5 for 21 yesterday. Like, that is... It's not Devin Booker. I'm not worried about it. I don't think anybody is. But it is sort of ironic that you get that game out of eight and finally, and then Booker has one of the worst games we've ever seen him have, and you end up losing by four to the Grizzlies. Chris Paul had, what, six turnovers, too. Yeah. Making some bad passes. I've told you that I've gotten to the point where DeAndre, DeAndre Ayton can make... I'll make a layup, but I get mad because yeah. he didn't dunk it when he could have. <laughs> no, the no, ball still it. went through the hoop, like you know, it still counted. But I want him to be aggressive because, I mean, yeah, the the Grizzlies didn't have Jonas Valanciunas, who's a big guy, and he was facing that that guy. I can't remember his name. Brandon Brandon Clark was it with that ugly jump shot? Yes. Uh, he destroyed him on that reverse dunk. So you, it's it's in there. It's in there. That's the We've thing. seen it. It's not hypothetical. And and DeAndre Ayton should be, at some point here soon, he should be a player that other teams are kind of like, you know, maybe not other other teams' actual players. Like, they're not going to walk out on the floor afraid of DeAndre Ayton. But he should be a player where if your team is playing the Suns that night, you're like, Ugh, I don't want Ayton to embarrass us in the paint. And again, that doesn't have to be a 40-point night. He's not Giannis. We're not asking him to put up 42 and, and 21 every night. But... Go out there and do what you did last night and, and like, intimidate. Go out there and intimidate. And he did that last or yesterday afternoon. It just wasn't enough for a win. All right, let's get into the rapid reaction. The Rundown Rapid Reaction. Rapid Reaction. Reacting to today's top three trending sports stories. All right, well, we'll start with a miserable story that I'm sure you've heard throughout the day. But uh, the New York Mets firing Jared Porter as their new GM, firing him. So I guess not really. He's been, he's been their GM for five weeks. So they hired him five weeks ago, and they fired him today, and they had to. And they acted quickly uh, after that story came to light last night that he had sent well, 62 straight texts. Like, if you send somebody 62 texts and they don't respond, stop texting them. Stop after about five Unless they are like a legitimate friend of yours, and uh, some of them in explicit nature, it's just it's it's a sickening story. I'm not going to sit here and, and talk like an expert of understanding what women go through in this industry because I'm a guy, but 
I've talked to enough women in this industry before this story came out, even within the last week about stuff uh, like this, and they just, just it's it's disappointing. And the Mets uh, did, you know, the Mets have actually ha- been having a good off season for them, but uh, obviously they had to do that, and they did. So they will uh, they will move forward now, and uh, there is a possibility that Porter could be suspended, even though he's not the Mets GM now. That would prevent him from getting back into the league. Just a mess of a story and a very avoidable mess, which, given everything everybody's going through right now, let's avoid the avoidable messes. Uh, To the NFL, Patrick Mahomes still in protocol. It's certainly possible he will play on Sunday against the Buffalo Bills. If he doesn't play, um, they're not going to beat the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Brett Favre. It was interesting to to hear his thoughts on this one, talking about Mahomes. Because I mean, you're, this is you're dealing with with a with a head injury. You're not dealing with a, oh my wrist hurts. Can I go out there and play or this or that or whatever? No, this is this is a quarterback. We all saw it. You couldn't you couldn't hide that. I mean, we all saw the game. It was it was disturbing when he couldn't get up and walk off the field in the game against Cleveland. This is uh, this is Brett Favre. What he had to say. I can promise you because I've been there. He's gonna feel absolutely. 100% ready to play. Uh, and if he has, just say he has a headache on Friday, but, you know, previous three or four days, he, he's fine. Uh, is he going to tell him? You know, I doubt it. Uh, he wants to play. And uh, for, for years, up, up until 10 years ago, there was no protocol in place. Once you felt better, which could have been three or four hours, you were back out playing. That's not the case anymore, and uh, he will want to play whether or not he passes the baseline test that he took initially and the doctors uh, feel he's able. There, th- this is this is a test for the NFL right now to, to see a star player in a, in a crucial, crucial game um, what will happen uh, with their decision. Yeah, this really is the extreme because you're talking about a head injury, so it's the one injury you're not supposed to tough it out. Uh, but this is also if Mahomes plays. I mean, Buffalo is really good, so it's not like a, a given that the Chiefs would just automatically go to the Super Bowl. But this is about as as extreme as you can get. A, it's a head injury as opposed to like okay, it's it's your it's your it's an ankle sprain or something. But if you can fight through it, go ahead. It's that, and it, it, it's also on top of it being a head injury, it's to go to the Super Bowl. If he doesn't play, the Chiefs aren't going to win. But, you know, you can't risk your long-term health if you're Patrick Mahomes. And if you're the Chiefs, you got to look out for him, too. Because what Brett Favre just said right there is obviously 100% true. Mahomes, if he can stand, is going to want to play in this game. Because you know he believes if he plays, the Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl again. He's probably right. Uh, and lastly, Chicago Bears potentially looking at James Betcher as their uh, next defensive coordinator. Something to keep an eye on here in the coming weeks as these teams fill out their coaching staffs for next season. When we come back, a couple big questions facing the Arizona Cardinals, and uh, they're already starting to ramp up discussions about them. We'll get into that next. It is the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Cardinals note to pass along. They are reportedly going to hire Sean Jefferson as their wide receiver coach, so he'll be replacing uh, David Rye, who was let go uh, earlier this month. 
Jefferson. Jefferson played a while. He ended up uh, receiver for the Chargers, Patriots, Falcons, Lions, 195 NFL games. Heard Gambo talking about this on the way in. Uh, not expected to be a like, you know, a, 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 just a warm, fuzzy players coach. It's gonna be like, hey, everybody, you're doing a great job. Like he's supposed to be kind of a disciplinarian. And if that's the case, let's try it because the receiving room behind DeAndre Hopkins last year. Eh, not cutting it. And then I set Fitz aside because obviously Fitz is at a different point in his career. He dealt with stuff this year that he doesn't typically deal with. I mean, he obviously missed a couple games uh, dealing with the COVID stuff too. So I, I set Fitz aside. He's doing, I think, what you could hope from Larry Fitzgerald at this point in his career. But nobody stepping up as the number two receiver. Nobody really stepping up as a number three receiver other than Fitz either. And some guys... I don't know. Do we say Andy Isabella's name? Do we just say uh, some guy's taking a step back? I mean, they he who must not be named. They they got to do something at receiver. I mean, they're going to have to go out there and add a receiver this off season too. But they um they I think it's safe to say we're not getting the most out of their receivers. I, you can make a strong case they weren't getting as much as they could out of DeAndre Hopkins. I mean, he put up insane numbers, but that's because he's DeAndre Hopkins. You watch the the games and you look at some of those route charts and you're like, oh, okay, they could have done more with him. So we'll see. That's not like not like Sean Jefferson immediately steps in and fix all that, but that's uh, that's what's in front of him. What's in front of Steve Keim is a pivotal offseason for a lot of reasons, and we'll get into a few of them throughout the show, but I'll bring up two names that have already been brought up a lot. One, Patrick Peterson, who is already a, a pretty pretty consistent focal point of discussion among Cardinals fans of, do you bring this guy back? Or do you let him go? And it's getting, it's not to the point where it's as polarizing as Suns fans talking about DeAndre Ayton. But I don't know a lot of Cardinals fans who are like, eh, let's see, you know, I could take him or leave him. It's either get rid of this guy, he's no good anymore, which I don't agree with, or got to keep this guy. Who else are you going to have at corner if you let him go? Which I, I kind of do agree with. Um, he's not the same player he was. I mean, he was a shutdown corner. He was arguably the best shutdown corner in football for years and years and years. He's not that guy anymore. He isn't. But if you let him go, you better have a backup plan in place. I like what I saw at times from Byron Murphy this season. He's not really like an outside lockdown corner, though. And again, I get that Patrick Peterson is not elite anymore by any means but it can't just be like no we're not paying him he wasn't as good and he had that suspension last year okay well fine but you better have somebody else lined up are you using the 16th pick on this guy the 16th pick is this weird spot where it's like you better draft a guy that's going to be able to contribute and be a starter in this league but there's no guarantee he's going to be an instant impact guy next season in week one if you're taking him at 16 that's not like taking a, a, a corner at three so we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. But I, I mean, I'm looking at ESPN has a, a story out today looking at the uh, the biggest upcoming player decision for all 32 teams. And it's not a shock that the Cardinals' biggest decision is Patrick Peterson. But he is not their only one. Hassan Reddick, a big one as well. And Pro Football Focus has the, the free agent every NFL team cannot afford to lose. And then they also have another story that, that popped up on ESPN looking at the uh, the best, just the highest graded players at each position in the NFL now that the regular season is over. So you start to put some of these together. 
when you go with the free agent, each NFL team can't afford to lose. For the Cardinals, Pro Football Focus has Hassan Reddick. Essentially saying, you now that you finally found a way to play him in his right position, given what he did last year, you better give him another year to see. You know, if it was a fluke, okay, then move on. But you don't want this guy ending up on another team, which, in a vacuum, 100% agree. I I absolutely can see the nightmare scenario for the Cardinals where they're like, you know what, we can't we can't afford all these guys. We can't afford Peterson uh, and a running back and go get a receiver and keep us on Reddick and we're going to pay Chandler Jones next year. Those things, they can't do all of them. And in a lot of ways, Patrick Peterson or Chandler Jones over the next couple of years, you're probably going to have to make that decision. But with Hassan Reddick, I absolutely can see the nightmare scenario where they're like, well, we can't pay all these guys, so... You know, Reddick was was so up and down until this past year. Let's let him go. And he ends up on the Seahawks and just tortures you for the next 10 years. No thanks. Uh, as far as their highest graded players, you go through. And what they did is they just did the uh, the best player at each position, the best rookie at each position, and then the biggest surprise. So when you go edge defender, they have best overall, Khalil Mack with a grade of 92.3. Top rookie, Chase Young, with a grade of 87.2. And then biggest surprise, Hassan Reddick, with a grade of 72.8. So, again, not uh, not putting him on the level of the truly elite, but definitely a step up this season. And remember, he by far led the Cardinals in sacks. In a perfect world, I'd like to see what he could do in a defense with Marcus Golden, if you could keep him, and Chandler Jones he comes back. I mean, let's <laughs> if you could have all that, that's a pretty intimidating pass rush as opposed to what the Cardinals at times this season had, especially on paper when Chandler Jones went down. But uh, they're going to have to get they have to get real creative, and they're going to have to be real decisive with the uh, salary cap this offseason. This is a big couple months for Steve Kime. It always is a big few months when you're heading in from your uh, the end of your season towards free agency in the draft. But like I said, some of these decisions you're making, you're really dictating the course of this team, not just for this upcoming season, uh, but for a while, for, for years to come. I can't remember a year where any of the four teams left in the NFL playoffs when we got to uh, the conference championships could win the Super Bowl. Like, could legitimately you felt like, oh yeah, I can totally see Green Bay winning. I can totally see the Chiefs winning if Patrick Mahomes is playing. I could certainly see Buffalo winning. I could see Tampa winning. It feels like every year we get to this point, there's one or two teams where you're like, okay, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Thanks for playing, but you're not you're not getting past this team or whatever. Better yet, there's not really a team that you would hate if yeah. they won. Isn't that nice? Even with Tom Brady, like people can hate Tom Brady or whatnot, but I mean and Antonio Brown, obviously. But yeah. Bruce Arians is the head coach of the Bucks. Yeah. And they have they have, you know, some really good players and I'm team Bills, just saying. I'm all on board the Bills. If Patrick Mahomes plays, they're probably not going to win. But the Bills are so fun. They are fun. They're so fun to watch. Well, that, you know, it, sort of to your point, not only is there not really any hateable team in here, I guess the Buccaneers would be the most hateable. Um, I'm sure a lot of people here are from Chicago and they're Bears fans and they don't like the Packers. Like the Packers okay. but, but in general... Yeah, Packers not really a hateable team. Bills certainly not. I don't think we're at the point. I don't feel like we're at the point for or at least myself 
with the Chiefs where I'm like, all right, are they going to win again? Like, I'm sick of this. Like I was with the Patriots. Oh, yeah, not yet. No. So not only are none of these teams hateable. Well, they haven't come out and deflated the footballs or anything <laughs> yet. So that's, that's true. That's Or they haven't filmed other teams illegally and been caught. Um, Their head coach is big and fat, and he loves cheeseburgers. Like, what's not to like? He's, he's not hiding from the fact that he loves cheeseburgers. Um all these teams are fun to watch too. It's not just a like, oh yeah, you know, I'm gonna watch like in years past it was like, okay, whoever's in the AFC championship, I know you're not gonna beat the Patriots, but come on, beat the Patriots. Like I'm gonna watch hoping that you do it and you're not going to. Uh, now it's like and the Patriots, all due respect to everything they did accomplish, were never really that exciting of a team other than the year where they went undefeated with Randy Moss. They didn't win the Super Bowl. Like their most recent Super Bowl winning teams were not really exciting unless you're a Patriots fan. But as far as just like, hey, I'm a Cardinals fan, and I want to watch the games this weekend. I got Chiefs, Bills, I got Packers, Buccaneers. Those should be two great games. I've really, I go back and forth on what the best Super Bowl matchup would be. I think Green Bay, Kansas City is still the best one, which I guess is like the State Farm Bowl. But Rodgers, I'm more intrigued by Aaron Rodgers playing for his second Super Bowl on this sort of like vengeance tour he's on this year. I like vengeance in sports. I'm a, I've realized this about myself. I'm, I'm pro-sports vengeance. I like it. After his team drafted a quarterback in the first <laughs> round instead of a weapon he could use? Well, and Yes, absolutely. And after, I mean, I, I, do you remember where he went in your fantasy football draft? I remember getting him in Very like the late. eighth round and being like, why is the he person, still here? The person uh, who drafted him in the league I was in, it was actually, he drafted him as his backup quarterback. Yeah. He he drafted Matt Ryan in front of him. Well, that was an easy decision about midway through the season. And yeah, I had to tell him, I'm like, dude, I'm I know you're in my division, but like it's this, this is really bothering me. You need to be starting Aaron Rodgers. What are you starting Matt Ryan for? Aaron Rodgers, who in some ways had the best season of his career. Uh and I think people are kind of getting the picture now too of we have the debate for best quarterback of all time, and you're like, ah, oh, Aaron Rodgers only won one Super Bowl. Yeah, he was playing for Mike McCarthy, who's not a good football coach. And now any Cowboys fan that doubted that over the last couple of years, I think is on board with that after this season. So I'm, I'm all in on the Aaron Rodgers gets his second Super Bowl ring. Just in terms of raw talent, best quarterbacks I've ever watched play, he's right there. Mahomes is right there. I will give Brady all the credit in the world for, he's won so many Super Bowls, I can't even count them anymore. But if you just, if, if, each quarterback was on the exact same team. I think Rodgers, at his best, is the best quarterback I have ever seen. And Patrick Mahomes, I think, will pass him, to be quite honest. That's not... I understand Brady's the most accomplished. You can't really argue that he's the best because of what he's done. But if you could if you could even out all the other factors and you get to play for Belichick and you get to do this or... I mean, so many years, they put nothing around Aaron Rodgers. Nothing. It's not just this year where they where they drafted his backup, his uh, uh, eventual replacement in the first round. Where I mean, can you imagine if they took one of these receivers, these rookie receivers this year? But all these, there's a stretch of like six or seven years back when Mike McCarthy was the coach, where they just wouldn't add anybody. They wouldn't go out and get any free agents. They would just resign their own guys. He would make like some mediocre players look better. I, don't know, I think Aaron Rodgers winning his second Super Bowl is a more compelling story to me, at least than Tom Brady winning his 57th or whatever it is. On the other side, I just like watching the Chiefs. But man, the Bills are fun. Their fans are fun. It's, like I said, I don't think you can go wrong. I, I think, I guess, I guess Bills Buccaneers would be the one I least want to see, but I want to see the Bills in there, so I don't even know. There's You, you can't go wrong. And like you said, Bear, 
so many of the last five or six or seven, you got to the final four in the NFL, and you're like, just not this team, please, or not this team. And invariably, that team always won because they were the Patriots. All right, when we come back, we'll get back into the Suns, their, uh, their game yesterday. But more importantly, what's next? They got the Rockets tomorrow. How are they going to bounce back? They've actually lost four of their last six now. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Keeping it live and local with Luke Lipinski on the Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. Well, good to see the Suns back at it yesterday afternoon. There was some question over the weekend as to whether or not they'd be able to get out there and play against Memphis, but they were. They were able to do that, so now you figure, at least for a while, should be good to go and kind of get back on track here. Sort of a weird game to to hold against them because it's already strange having not played for a week, but every step along the way, you thought you might be playing, right? So like January 11th, last Monday, you play Washington, you lose 128-107. Okay, frustrating game. Booker put up 33 in that one, didn't get a whole lot of help. And then obviously yesterday he was the one not helping, which is strange. But, um, you know, Wednesday last week, you're supposed to play Atlanta? Okay, no. Friday, supposed to play Golden State? Eh. I mean, you find out on Thursday, but no. Saturday against Indiana, you find out, like Thursday evening, I think it was, or Friday morning. Okay, no, now that one's off too. So it's it's not just, hey, you got a week off, let's go hang out. You know, it's, it's not a bye week in football. It is a week off, supposed to be home games. You think you're playing every night, so they're not really days off. It's it's a pandemic, so it's not like you're just relaxing and having fun and going out. No, you're just you you're basically on call to play, and they never played. So I'm going to give them a pass losing yesterday on the road in Memphis. But they're seven and five now, and they've lost four of their last six. So the the good feelings from the very start of the season when they were five and one. Remember they had that back-to-back against Utah and Denver on New Year's Eve night and then New Year's Day. And they won those two games to go to 5-1. and one. And then prior to that, they had blown out New Orleans. And like they had split with Sacramento. They beat Dallas. Now they've lost 4-6. or six, So it's time to get back to the winning. And it gets tough again after this one against Houston. You've got Denver on Friday, Denver on Saturday. I mean, Denver's a pretty good basketball team. And Denver may get Michael Porter Jr. back. They have been playing without... Michael Porter since December, and he was off to a great start. So you have all that. You have the Suns who have just been eager and anxious to get back out on the floor. Then they go out there and lose. Devin Booker, Devin Booker, not uh, not real happy after the loss, and that's to be expected. It was a tough night. Um, obviously, I didn't sit, sit well with me or anybody in this gym. Um, but there's nights like that. Um, Obviously can't do anything about it now. Losing any game in this league is tough. Letting one slip away in, in this league is tough, um, especially at the expense of the way that we play. But, you know, we have another one tomorrow. Um, that's my main focus now. Um, so we just got after in practice and we're ready to go. They didn't lose yesterday because of Devin Booker. I don't think you can, you can point and say, okay, he lost this game because Booker was bad. But he wasn't Devin Booker. He was 5 of 21, and they lost by 4 to a team that they hope to be better than. So at least from Devin Booker's perspective, that's one of the few games since he broke into this league in 2015 that he afterwards can can realistically think, eh, I could have done more and we could have won that game. Right? I mean, nobody's looking and saying, that's Devin Booker's fault they lost. But he wasn't Devin Booker and they lost by 4. 
Now, it's an outlier. We have five-plus seasons of, uh, of proof to work with. It's a pretty big sample size. He's one of the best players in the NBA. Whether you think he's a superstar or not, I think that really depends more on your definition of superstar. He's a top 20 player. He's probably a top 15 player. I think he can get the top 10 player this year. There's some really good players in the NBA. But nobody is worried about Devin Booker after a bad shooting performance. He has not been Devin Booker. He hasn't been Booker at his best yet this season. It's been a disjointed season, though. You had a week off in the middle of it here. You've only played 12 games. You're working in Chris Paul, which is ultimately a great thing. But, you know, there's some adjustment there. He's still been very good. He's still averaging 22 points a game, Book is. But yesterday was really one of the first times in his career where I'm sure afterwards he's like, oh, man, if I just hit a couple more shots, we win. Like most of his career, it's been like, what do I have to do, score 80? So, yeah, I'm imagining that probably didn't sit too well with him. Uh, naturally, he was asked about DeAndre Ayton. Uh, we've been on him. Um, I think it's been some footwork things. Um, and him knowing you know, how dominant he can be. you know, And I think he, he's seen last night. And I think last night was was turning the page for him and noticing, you know, what what he's capable of and um, just finding the space in the roles and be able to catch and finish and, and throw lobs. Not only is that going to open up or make the game easier for him, you know, I think that's going to give our shooters, um, including myself and Chris, you know, a, a lot better looks with, with him being such a presence down there. And, you know, he's a force. You know, I think you see teams, they, they had to double him. Um, later in the game, once they realized, you know, he was using his body and, and using it well. Yesterday was a loss that I walked away from thinking like, okay, the Suns have the pieces. They're just putting them together. And if Aiton plays like that consistently, this team's going to be more than fine. You know Chris Paul's not going to be turning the ball over six times a game, or if he is going to be making more of an impact on offense anyway. You know Devin Booker is liable to go off for 40 on any given night. They don't necessarily need that from him, but he's not going to shoot 5 of 21. He's Again, what was the stat? He's That's the ninth time in his entire NBA career he's missed 12 or more two-point shots in a game. That tells you all you need to, to know. But I am interested to see how long they are going to be cool as players. Monty Williams doesn't really have a choice, but as players consistently answering questions about DeAndre Ayton, and that is another reason why it's good to have Chris Paul, because he's seen it all in this league. He was asked about Ayton. Um, just aggression, uh, and I'm going to keep challenging him to be that. You know, I think everybody on our team is so hard on him because we know he, what he's capable of. You know, and to, to be one of the greats in our league, you just, you just have to have consistency, and he's more than capable of it. So um, we, uh, we just got to keep building, and we got to put some wins together. Yeah. Now, I mean, that's the next step, right? Go out there and start winning games as you were at the beginning of the year. Losing four or six, you're not at a point where you're just coasting and you can afford to have that lull this early uh, in the season. Back to the NFL. Ryan Wilson of CBS Sports has the uh, the first mock draft I've really liked so far this offseason. And not even because of anything it says about the Arizona Cardinals, but just because he has quarterbacks going in the top five. It's not just Trevor Lawrence and then, well, you know, who knows? if Will teams really take a quarterback that high? Justin Fields is going to go 15th and Zach Wilson might go 12th. No, that's not how this works. We all know that when the actual draft happens, 
Three of the top five picks are going to be quarterbacks. Maybe it'll be three of the top six. Well, this particular mock draft, again by Ryan Wilson of CBS Sports, has four quarterbacks going in the top four, which that's a little extreme, but maybe. I mean, teams are so desperate for a quarterback that you're either going to take one at the very top, or if you don't need one, you're just going to trade up. Or trade down, I guess, to a team that does need one, and they're going to trade up. So he has Lawrence going to Jacksonville, Zach Wilson to the Jets, Justin Fields to the Panthers, and Mac Jones of Alabama to the Atlanta Falcons. Like I said, I don't know if it's going to be that extreme, but there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks going in the top 10. At least three. So any mock draft you're looking at that's like, well, one for sure, maybe a second. No, they're just doing that, and they're going to change over the next three months. He also has the Arizona Cardinals going with an edge rusher at 16, Gregory Rousseau out of Miami. And it goes back to a little bit of what we were saying before, why this is such a big offseason, why it's such a big three months. You've got Chandler Jones for one more year. In his write-up here, Ryan Wilson has them taking Gregory Rousseau as the heir apparent to Chandler Jones, basically. You're going to have Chandler this year. He's going to leave after 2021. So you have Rousseau, and, and he can learn for a year under Chandler and you know hopefully make an impact this upcoming season because he is a first-round pick, but ultimately he steps in afterwards. Pretty much every mock draft I've seen so far either has them going corner at 16, edge rusher, or running back. Uh, maybe a couple have them going at receiver, and I think that's just that would have to be more how the draft breaks if there's like an amazing receiver right there. But it really does... It's going to indicate what their plans are big picture. Because if you sign Patrick Peterson and draft an edge rusher, okay, then you're probably not keeping Chandler Jones. This is probably his last year here. It's easy to forget how great Chandler Jones has been because he only had the one sack this season before he got hurt. And he's been hurt for a while. But in their last full seasons with this team, if you're going to put Chandler Jones up against Patrick Peterson, Chandler Jones has been the much more impactful player. But that really, that's really what it's going to kind of boil down to. Are you going to sign Chandler Jones after this upcoming season? Or are you going to sign Patrick Peterson now? It's not, they're not completely mutually exclusive where you can't do both. But there's a salary cap. And you also got to figure out if you're paying Larry Fitzgerald to come back. And what you're doing at running back, can you get a cheap running back? I mean, you should be able to do that. How are you getting another receiver? Because you can't convince me that you're going into next year with the same receiving core and feeling good about it. That's why this is such a telling three months, because you're basically deciding which of your most impactful defensive players over, what, the last 15 years? Which one are you keeping and which one are you letting go? And are you going to start replacing the one you're letting go in this draft? Because you probably have to. All right, we'll stick with the Cardinals when we come back. The top five things you do if you own the Cardinals this offseason. That's next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The Rundown with Luke Lipinski. I've always heard you're a very good guy in the 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, watching the playoffs this year, it has become, I would say almost needlessly apparent, the point has been driven home, 
how far the Cardinals have to go to get to the point where they are at the level of the Packers or the Chiefs or the Bills, although they beat the Bills this year. It just seems crazy now. Um, and even That's the Buccaneers. That's the last game the Bills lost. Wow. That's a good way to respond to losing to a Hail Mary is to just never lose again. <laughs> We're not letting that crap happen again. No, but that's the thing. It is, as ridiculous as it was, you could never count on winning with a Hail Mary. The Cardinals were in that game, obviously. I mean, people I know like to diminish, like, well, yeah, they had to just heave it up there and hope DeAndre Hopkins came down with it. Like, okay, that's fine. But Buffalo might win the Super Bowl, and the Cardinals were, at that point in the season, playing with them, and then they really went downhill after that. It doesn't feel like they won a game after that, although they obviously did. So we're going to do the top five things that you would do if you owned the Arizona Cardinals this offseason. So they can be changes, they can be, you know, whatever you want. Just how how are you preparing your team for next season? And when I suggested okay, I guess this, I'm starting. Yeah, when I suggested this to you, you just uh, you laughed. So I, I'm I'm actually more interested in hearing what you have to say now. So go ahead. Number well, five. these last two are just you know I couldn't think of anything. Um, mm. Number five. Yes, it's on the field mostly for me. But number five, get a new center. Ooh, okay. I think I'm done with Mason Cole. Sounds like you're done with Mason um, Cole. He, you really, you rarely ever see centers get called for false starts. Uh, and he had a couple in that. I believe the Rams or Forty ers or Rams game. I can't remember which one it was, but he had like two. He had back to back games with multiple false starts. Yeah. I, think it, I think it was the week fifteen and sixteen. And it was because he's moving the ball with it. Okay. Um, and then. <laughs> With against the Rams, I saw Aaron Donald destroy him, wow. and I don't know if that's Mason Cole's fault or not. But I'd like a good blocking center, please. Um, I don't know that you're going to find one that can stop Aaron Donald, though. Well, if that's I, your cut. Another thing: Why are you leaving your center one on? He's already at a disadvantage because he has to snap the ball. You're leaving him one on one with Aaron Donald. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. I would like a new center uh, for the Arizona Cardinals, please. Okay. Uh, I, would... I guess I'm making the changes. I demand. Yeah, I was going to say, this is you're not talking to Santa Claus. Uh, okay, number five for me is I want a cheap running back on this team. Cheaper running back on this team. Like, I don't want... <laughs> As in he doesn't pick up the tab or... Yeah, I want, I want one that refuses to tip well. No, <laughs> I, I want a running back that... And it can be Kenyon Drake if he wants to take a, a substantial pay cut. But I I just detailed all the different things the Cardinals are going to have to pay for this offseason and the decisions they're going to make because they're up against the cap to a certain extent. I don't need to be paying my running back $8 million a year. I don't think the Cardinals, quite honestly, in this offense, use a running back creatively enough for any running back to be worth $8 million in this offense unless you had Derrick Henry yeah, or Nick Chubb. If they had Derrick Henry, this offense would look completely different. Yeah. Kyler Murray would be under center. Yeah, uh, you'd hope. My number four is along those lines. I just said, find a new lead running back. Okay. I really like this idea. I think it was Todd McShay who had this in his first mock draft that the Cardinals draft Travis Etienne in the first round. I like that idea a lot. Yeah. And it's, I, I don't know if the argument still exists where all oh, that's too high for a running back. It's the middle of the first round. It's not like you're drafting him top five. Yeah, it's not like you're going to be paying him a ton because, like you said, he's not a top yeah. five pick. And the other thing is, like running backs, this is the harsh reality more than any position in any sport, unless there's some something I don't know about cricket or whatever. But <laughs> in any sport, I mean, the shelf life for a running back to be great to elite, I mean, it, it, it ends so quickly. So I'd rather 
Yes, I'd rather be drafting a running back and, and having him from day one. And and I, I don't think Kenyon Drake's going to be back next year, uh, especially if he wants the same type of money he was paid yeah. this year. And I mean, I'm not saying Chase Edmonds can't be your leading running back, but maybe in this offense it can work since there is. Uh, I, well, at first when Cliff got here, they were pass heavy. So, but. I don't, I don't know, know what they I don't were know, heavy I don't know by what the end they of last would, year. Yeah, I don't know what they would do exactly with Chase Edmonds. So maybe a guy like Travis Etienne. I don't yeah. think you can go out and get like a guy like Mark Ingram and say, "Here's a million carries and you're our number one." But I just I haven't. I, I didn't see anything from them this year to indicate that the running back position. Not that it's not important. If you can't run, then you're screwed. But I just never saw them be like, "Oh, if if uh, if we had the right running back, we would we'd be going crazy this season." Like they just. I mean, not I many running like backs can Kenyon, just run up the middle. Yeah, if Kenyon Drake just ran north-south more, then he would have easily gotten to 1,000 yards, and maybe this team would be better. Maybe. Uh, number four, I have. I want them to bring back. If I was if I was running the team, I would bring back Hassan Reddick. Um, just because you finally have him in the right position, I'd like to see what he can do with a full offseason, knowing he's in that right position, some continuity from this year to next year. We already saw what just finally having continuity from last year to this year did for him. And like I said earlier, I, I would I, as, a, as a pass rusher, I know he's not great as a, as a run stopper, but as a pass rusher, he's really good. I'd love to have him and Chandler Jones out there at the same time next year. That, that makes you a dangerous defense. My number three, I would move on from Patrick Peterson. I think it's time to make a change there. And I know they don't really have any corners waiting in the wings besides Byron Murphy. They could sign somebody. Uh, They could draft somebody. They could sign somebody. But I believe, I forget who said it on our station. One of our hosts, Patrick Peterson was the most penalized player in the league or something like that. Yeah, yeah, he was the most. And then Justin Justin Pugh was like third or something like that. So uh, that just proves to me he's getting beat a lot. Um, Maybe it's the system. Maybe it's not. I I saw Alshon Jeffrey outrun him, and Alshon Jeffrey is not fast. Um, Alshon Jeffrey doesn't even usually play. Yeah. (laughs) So I I think it's time. If you can't get another uh, cornerback, better than him I guess you could franchise tag him or something but I I, I just think it's time to for to part ways with Patrick Peterson my, my thing with Peterson is just how much it's going to cost if I can get him yeah. a, a cheaper number then I'm, I'm fine with him I don't think he's bad if, he's not what he was if that Patrick certain kid from Alabama is there yeah. that would be amazing yeah that would be a nice that'd be a nice the kid uh, from South Car- South Carolina I can't remember his name um but he's pretty good too I'm just I'm fine just taking are my secondary pieces from LSU and the University of Washington that has worked for the Cardinals in the past very consistently with Tyron Matthew and Patrick Peterson and Byron Murphy and uh, and Buda Baker. Um, okay, my number three is I want a number two wide receiver behind DeAndre Hopkins. It shouldn't be that hard to get one, but you have to get one. Whether that if Christian Kirk wants to emerge into that guy, that's fine. But I'd like him to do it as the number three going into the season. I don't I don't want to go into next year being like, okay, Kirk's our number two. Eh. No, I'm not. Just sign somebody. Get somebody. You're not. I'm not asking you to get number one. Just get a good number two receiver to uh, to open up that passing game behind D Hop. All right, who do you have at number two? My number two is to get Cliff Kingsbury, an experienced offensive coordinator. Now, caveat: he doesn't necessarily need to call the plays. 
I just want someone who maybe has been a head coach before, who maybe is a little older and has a lot of experience, who, you know, would come in here and not really mind not calling plays. Because I know Cliff Kingsbury said, if if I'm not calling plays, then I'm not going to be here, blah, 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 blah. He's on record saying that. And on the other side, what what great offensive coordinator is going to want to come here and not call the plays? So I'm thinking more along the lines of maybe an older maybe former head coach or something like that to help him with game management. I like this. All the opposites of Cliff Kingsbury, like yeah. older, angrier, and more older, experienced. Doesn't, doesn't live in that house. <laughs> doesn't live Lives in a patch of junction. Life. Yeah, he really, he has to earn it. Lives in Globe. Ooh, even further. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I just, he, I think he needs someone to bounce things off of that maybe thinks a little differently sometimes and has been in those, uh, you know, clutch pos- positions that we've seen Cliff Kingsbury kind of struggle to make decisions in. Uh, my number two, and this became very apparent in Week 17, get a backup quarterback that has played in the NFL before. The, the Ravens cut RG3? Somebody that has played because you're probably, I mean, look, it's the NFL. You're kind of fortunate that you went 32 games before you lost Kyler Murray for a good chunk of a game. Most quarterbacks don't make it that long. So let's just go into next season, assuming Kyler might miss two games or something. I need a quarterback that has played, that isn't going to be learning on the job with the season on the line. That was not Chris Traveler's fault. He should not have been in that position. So that's my number two. Who do you have at number one? My number one is completely superficial and has nothing to do with the on-field performance. I think they should. I think the Cardinals should change their uniforms. I, I knew it. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I don't really know. I don't have a plan necessarily for what they should look like. I've seen a lot of people on Twitter. Twitter make some mock-up ones that look really cool, yeah. and, and most of them have the Arizona flag on the shoulder pads, which is, I think, really cool looking, but I, I think it's time. The just plain white helmet is getting a little old well, so for that, me. That was going to be my question real quick before we hit break. Do you want the helmet needs to change too, or are you saying I just would like the helmet the whole, or all of it? I would think the whole uniform needs to change, but of course that means the helmet too, and yeah. Okay. I don't know exactly what it would be, but I like some of the things I've seen on Twitter. Okay. It's 2021. You don't need to have a plan. You just need to point out what others are doing wrong. Uh, number one on my list is I would get Cliff Kingsbury in a room. I'd probably have Kyler Murray there, too. And I would sit down and I would say, uh, Cliff, this is it this year. You better make the playoffs. I don't want to see any more screen passes unless they make sense. I don't want to see any like weird double reverses at the goal line. Figure out how to get in the end zone when it's second and goal from the two, and there's a lot of pressure on you. And I'd look at Kyler, and I'd say there's really no pressure on you because you're going to be here as long as you want, but get on the same page with this guy. If there's anything you two need to say to each other, say it before week one next season. Maybe there isn't. Maybe those two are on the same page, but anything you need to say, I don't want it leaking out in a press conference in week five after you lose to Miami or something. Make the playoffs. How's that? Can I change that? Can I just say, hey, Cliff, make the playoffs? Let's change that about the Cardinals. Make the playoffs. I'd like I'd like you to stop not making the playoffs and start making the playoffs. All right. Hour number two is up next with the reload. It's the rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. The Rundown Reload. Rundown Reload. Hour number two of the show live from the auction community studio. Luke Lipinski here with you. Cody Fincher behind the glass. Before we get into the reload, the one you just sent me, Bear, where they have the uh, where the Cardinals, like the mock-up uniform, where they'd have a red helmet. 
I, I, like, it took me a second to think about it. The Kansas City Chiefs, the only team in the NFL with a red helmet now, because all these teams like Buffalo and uh, I guess even Atlanta used to have, like, they've all gone away from the red helmet. So there's a spot there for the Cardinals to step in with a red helmet. And of all the teams that are qualified to do it, why not the Cardinals? They're the Cardinals. I think the, the thing it, most in the way of that is the fact that the Cardinal is red. Yeah. But I think there's ways you could design it to make it look cool. Yeah, I don't know the how bla- you... The matte black helmet with the red cardinal on it is really good, That is too. cool. That is cool. That is cool. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of... You convinced me there during the break. I, uh, I'm i not as anti the current uniform as a lot of people are, but I yeah, I think... I don't could. hate the current uniforms. A lot, I just think, a lot of people do, though. I just think they've had the same uniforms forever. Yeah. Yeah. They haven't really changed the... They changed the look of the cardinal logo... Yeah, he's a little bit Now angrier. it's more mad. They used to just look confused. Yeah, he's like, hmm. <laughs> but well, they used to be confused, so I guess it well, makes sense. Well. Um, all right, let's get into the reload. The uh, Phoenix Suns have now lost four of six following yesterday's loss to the Memphis Grizzlies. They will take on the Houston Rockets tomorrow. Of course, Houston does not have James Harden anymore. He's been dealt to, uh, to Brooklyn. And actually, it sounds like... I don't know if you heard this, uh, Bear, but Kyrie said he's ready to come back and play basketball now. So uh, they, uh, the Brooklyn. Oh, Nets, that's nice. <laughs> the Brooklyn Nets. He's ready to come play. <laughs> he's simply, he's definitely, he's what's making that team unlikable. Um, the Nets should have Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie together tomorrow for the first time to play poor Cleveland. Of course, the Cavaliers are the team that has to line up and get that. But uh, no, for the Suns, they will get the Houston Rockets tomorrow. Uh, not not you know not the team that they have been. They really weren't that team this season either because Harden so clearly wanted out of there. Clearly, the number one storyline is can DeAndre Ayton build off of what he did yesterday against the Grizzlies, where he was a force underneath. But uh, beyond that, the Suns need to bounce back here with a win. They've got two games against Denver coming up this weekend. They already caught Denver earlier this year and beat them. Denver without Michael Porter Jr. He hasn't played. He still hasn't played since then. But there's a chance he is back for Friday and if not Friday, Saturday. So there's a chance the Suns have to deal with him both games on top of Jokic. And you know that Denver's a good team. So you don't want to... You don't want to go into that uh, that stretch having lost five of seven and being like, okay, now we desperately need wins and we're going to have to get them against a good team. You want to beat Denver, but got to beat the Rockets now. These This is kind of the next test for the Suns. When you play teams that you are clearly better than, you got to beat those teams. And they've struggled with this a little bit lately. They lost to the Pistons. They lost to Washington. Those are teams you need to be better than. And, uh, and certainly... Memphis is a better team than Detroit and probably even Washington at this point because Washington didn't have Westbrook in that game. But got to beat these teams. And Houston is Houston shouldn't be a playoff team at this point. They are a team in transition that is stockpiling picks. And they're especially in transition right now because they're not even healthy with the pieces they have. And, like, guys are coming in. And this is a good time to catch the Rockets. I would imagine they're going to be a little bit tougher, say, like two weeks from now. So the Suns. Got to go out there and get one tomorrow. Devin Booker, it'd be nice to see him just go out there and and put up 35 and the Suns win by 12 or something. Uh, Major League Baseball. You know, baseball is such a great sport. I'd like to be talking about it for better reasons, but uh, we can't because the Mets just hired Jared Porter five weeks ago, fired him, reacted quickly after the ESPN story last night. Mina Kimes, uh, Jeff Passan with the story talking about 
the uh, former employee back when Jared Porter, we should be clear here, not when he was with the Mets, not when he was with the D-backs as assistant GM, way back when he was with the Cubs. Not, It's not that far ago, but uh, when that story came out and just how horribly he treated this unnamed female employee, uh, the, the stuff he was sending her and texting her, uh, just it's just a horrible story. Just, I mean, the Mets did the right thing by getting rid of him. I know they're going to take some heat now, too, because people are going to be like, how did you not know this? It doesn't really sound like anybody knew it other than a couple reporters at ESPN and maybe one other person within the Cubs organization a few years ago. So just uh, as I said at the top of the show, I can't imagine what it's like to be a woman trying to work in sports. And I'm not going to try and comment on it because I'll, I'll get it wrong <laughs> Try, trying to uh, to explain what they go through. But I just know that I've talked to some today and they see a story like this and it just makes them so feel so defeated because they feel like all the progress that sometimes it sounds like they're making, they feel like they're just back to square one when they see a story like this. So just a frustrating one there across the board. Uh, to the NFL, Patrick Mahomes still in protocol. There is a chance he could practice tomorrow. We played the Brett Favre clip earlier. We're Favre, and you know you got to give you got to give some extra credence when it's a former quarterback saying this, especially a guy like Favre that played through a lot of injuries and dealt with a lot of uh, personal issues because of those injuries he played through. Favre's like, look, he's got it. He better look out for himself. Be smart. Don't be tough. And. This is going to be a really... It, it shouldn't be a decision for Patrick Mahomes. It should either be you're healthy and you can play or you're not and you can't. But man, that is a tough spot to be in because knowing what we know now about head injuries, you know, put yourself in Patrick Mahomes' shoes. If this is week four of the season, no, nah, just you play it safe. Miss week four. Miss week five if you have to. Make sure you are 100% fully healthy and good to go. And that's what he needs to do regardless. But if you are Patrick Mahomes, aren't you thinking, you know, this isn't a game this weekend. This is the AFC Championship. We win. We probably win the Super Bowl. So that is the extreme. It is not, it's not, hey, you got an ankle sprain. Can you can you grind it out here in week three? Your fantasy owners might be mad. No, no. You just, okay, you fine. You missed that game. This is a head injury, so you got to be careful. And it's to go to the Super Bowl. So, like, that's, and let's just be honest with ourselves here. The Chiefs aren't winning that game if Mahomes doesn't play. I mean, I hope the Chiefs aren't telling Patrick Mahomes that because it's got to be just a purely can you play like safely. Like, we'll just talk to the doctors and they'll make the decision for you. I think he knows that. But um, they're not beating Buffalo with Chad Henney. Sorry. Uh, NHL, the Coyotes in Vegas tomorrow. They were in Vegas last night. They play Vegas on Friday and they play Vegas on Sunday. So if you are a hockey fan, you're going to be sick of Vegas by the end of this week. It's the first time the Coyotes have ever played the same team four straight games in the regular season. It, it's, I fully expect by like Friday it to feel like a playoff series, even though it's the first week of the season, now the second week of the season. Because when you play the same team that many times in a row in a contact sport, it, it changes you. Like the, the games change over the course. It's not... Game three and game four are not going to be like what we saw last night where the Coyotes did have a, a, a lead, ended up losing. They led 2-0, lost 4-2. Uh, They're 1-1-1 one, one to begin the season. But the way the NHL is doing it, almost I think all of the Coyotes' games are in pairs. So, like They played the Sharks home twice to start the season. Then it's two games in the row, on the road in Vegas. And then just kind of as a fluke, it's two games at home against Vegas. And then it's two against Anaheim and two against St. Louis. So that's not just the Coyotes, that's the whole NHL. 
We see it a little bit in the NBA. Like I mentioned, the Suns have two against Denver this weekend. But for the NHL, they're basically playing two-game series. Or in the case of the Coyotes this week, a four-game series against Vegas. And uh, finally, other NFL news. We mentioned it earlier. Sean Jefferson is reportedly going to be the Cardinals' next receivers coach. And former defensive coordinator James Betcher uh, could be getting a look from the Chicago Bears going forward. So uh, keep an eye on that as well. That is the Reload When we come back, we'll hear from Suns head coach Monty Williams. It is the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Monty Williams there with Bickley and Murata. Uh, Real quick, Mark Ingram is not going to be playing for the Baltimore Ravens anymore. They waived him. That seemed like it was fairly inevitable. Gus Edwards was... Gus Edwards is actually decent. They just didn't give him the ball very or, or enough, I would say, this season. They have J.K. Dobbins, so I mean, they they certainly um, they were building for the future there. Uh, kind of going back to our discussion earlier, though, as far as the Cardinals and what they do at running back, and I'm not saying Mark Ingram is the answer, but there's going to be a decent amount of players like this. I mean, it's it's not just it's not just us sitting here saying, oh, you shouldn't pay a running back in 2021 with uh, you know the salary cap potentially going down and, and all that. I mean, there's there's other areas on the field where you probably need to allocate the money if you're the Cardinals. But Mark Ingram getting waived, I mean, this was a pretty good running back for a good stretch of time there. Even as recently as, what, two years ago, he was a really good running back. There's going to be options out there. I'm, I, I go back and forth on how much they really need to spend at that position. But you already have Chase Edmonds. It would really help if Eno Benjamin or somebody else stepped up behind Chase Edmonds. But I'd be fine if you want if you could if you could draft a legitimate running back at sixteen, just starting that guy. The Cardinals just don't seem to know how to use their running back right now, or at least they didn't this past year. Yeah, I, I, maybe that's not the best way to put it. The running back doesn't seem like a focal point of their offense. To the point where I would be like, no, you got to go out there. You got to get a high-priced guy. You got to, you know, you got to invest. I don't even really want to invest a first-round pick in one because I have other needs with this team. But Ingram getting waived, I think he's the first of a few veteran running backs that you're going to see uh, be available at a very reduced cost, and that might be the way for the Cardinals to go about it. Maybe not Ingram, but somebody that has been in the league for a while. And you essentially just go with a a committee in the backfield instead of, you know, by the end of last year, if you recall, it was just Kenyon Drake. We kept talking about, oh, there's all these carries and touches for the running backs to go around, and can they divide them up between David Johnson and Chase Edmonds uh, and Kenyon Drake? By the end of last year, like the 2019 season, Kenyon Drake was getting like 90% of the touches. This year, it was a little more evened out, but... There just weren't any games this year where you're like, oh, okay, well, the Cardinals running game, Kyler Murray aside, where the Cardinals running backs just took over and won them this game. And that's fine, I guess, if that's if that's not how you're going to typically win games. But if that's going to be the case, then don't spend a lot of money at running back. Bring in a vet that isn't bad, but you know, it's not going to be a game breaker, but just have him split with Chase Edmonds. And if you want to draft a guy, then, you know, Hopefully that guy you draft takes off by week four or five or whatever, and he just becomes he becomes a weapon, and then you can use him. But uh, especially the second half of this season, it just it didn't. The running game was so just flat outside of Kyler Murray, and for a lot of those games, he couldn't run in the second half of the season. 
All right, when we come back, we haven't played fill in a blank in a while, so we are going to do that next. It's The Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. I laugh every time I hear you play the uh, the bed music. Cody Fincher, Behind the Glass, coming up with the... Uh, the song for fill in the blank and I, I can't argue with it it makes a lot of sense on a lot of levels so fill in the blank you is big a taylor swift guy i i am not but i'm not anti-taylor swift i just don't listen i to feel that taylor swift i gotcha i respect that I, she is good i prefer her early days where she was still country she was very country i like that version of taylor swift yeah i, I don't she- like this version this this version of Taylor Swift. Well, that's interesting because since you made it into a bed music, you're going to hear it for the next 10 minutes. Um, okay, fill in the blank. It is uh, what you would expect. Got a, a few sentences for each other. One word is missing. You got to fill it in. It's essentially, it's supposed to be rapid fire. We can talk about what you said, but you're not supposed to think. You're just supposed to answer. And since Bear has been here for 16 hours today or something like that... I can't I, think anymore. I will I will go first. I have an extra one to uh, to make sure. Although, every time we do this, we somehow randomly... It can be anything in the universe. It doesn't just have to be sports. It can be anything. And every week, we double up somehow. So I assume we're going to do that again. Let's see. Uh, I'll go simple. I'll go... Uh, you would describe the Chiefs' chances as blank if Patrick Mahomes can't play on Sunday. Bleak. Do you really trust Chad Henney? I do not. No. I mean, that fourth down play was pretty. It was pretty awesome. But that I feel like that was more Andy Reid than anything. I mean, Henney played in Week 17. He's been in the league for 85 years. Uh, If (laughs) if they were playing Cleveland again, or like if they were playing almost anybody else in the playoffs except the Bills and maybe the Packers. I'd give them a chance still because they are the Chiefs and it is Andy Reid and it's not just Patrick Mahomes that makes that team good, but they're not beating Buffalo without Patrick Mahomes. So bleak is a good word. All right. DeAndre Ayton dunking the ball five times in yesterday's game made you feel blank. Uh, it, it, it Relief. It was it was very cathartic. I, I, was, I was thinking you were going to word the sentence so I could say cathartic. That's It just... I feel like when DeAndre Ayton dunks, all of Phoenix dunks through him. Where it's like, okay, that's that's what we've been waiting for two and a half years for. Finally! <laughs> the rim is your enemy, DeAndre. That's right. It, it's not enough. When you were drafted in front of Luka Doncic, you laying the ball in is not going to be cathartic for Suns fans. It's got to be a dunk. We need to see the, the foundation of the backboard shaking. So, yeah, I, I will say relief, but it was very cathartic. Um... Stick with basketball. Coming off one of his worst shooting performances really ever. Devin Booker will score blank tomorrow in Houston. 25 points. Hmm. Okay. I want more. I do too. I, he did score that 33 po- was it 33 against the Wizards in that game that was over at halftime. Yeah. That stunk. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it did. That's a good point. I want to see that Devin Booker just, like, not breakout game, because he's obviously already a good player, but that, like, the one where he announces that peak Devin Booker is back. I'm still here. 
I can still score the ball. Yeah. I also want to see Chris Paul have a 20 and 12 assist night, you know? Yeah. It would be. We really haven't seen... As good as the Suns started, we haven't seen that game where, like, Paul is is on a roll and Booker's on a roll and DeAndre Ayton's play. I mean, the game that they won most decisively this season was probably that New Orleans game, right? And none of those guys really did anything. Booker, Paul, or Ayton. You know, it was, that was a lot was of the Mostly the Jay Crowder yeah. game. So, okay. You take 25. I want to see Booker <laughs> just drop, like, 40. That'd be great. Thank you. Okay. Um, the team that is most likely to trade for Deshaun Watson is blank. You cannot pick. He stays in Houston. Oh. First of all, side note, how stupid is Houston going to look when they get a franchise quarterback and then trade him away because they're dysfunctional? The team that's most likely to trade for him I think in my mind, it's either Miami or San Francisco. I really hope it's oh, not San please, Francisco. No. <laughs> no. The Cardinals are in a lot of trouble if Deshaun I, Watson joins I, the 49ers. I think it's Miami. And I, I don't know who is on Deshaun Watson's no trade clause that he supposedly has, but Miami won 10 games last year. They're on the brink of making the playoffs. And they can send the Texans back to a tongue of Iloa and the th- and the third overall pick. That, that's the one that makes the most sense. I mean, really, the Bears. If you're just saying, "Hey, you guys could go out there and kind of right the most idiotic wrong we've seen," that in the would last be kind of years. fitting, though. You know, yeah, that'd be kind of cool. But then part of me is like, you know what? You guys screwed up. You don't deserve it. Yeah. Um, you but, traded all that stuff for Mitch for Trubisky. Traded to move up and not take him. Um, they probably could have traded the same amount of stuff for Deshaun Watson. They could have just drafted Deshaun or, Watson. Or that. Didn't they pick third? Uh, second. They moved up. Yeah, they traded all that to move up from third to second. <laughs> as if San Francisco was like, we got to get Mitch Trubisky. Uh, yeah, I think Miami makes the most sense because they have the pieces to send back. And, and honestly, that trade... I know we've we've talked about this on the show a few times now, but Tua in the third pick for Deshaun Watson, which side, who says no? That that benefits both sides. I mean, if Houston's going to trade Deshaun Watson, I wouldn't. But if you're going to, why not trade him for Tua and the third pick? And if you're Miami, you, who cares about that pick if, or Tua because you have Deshaun Watson? Exactly. But if you're Houston and you make that trade... Do you draft a quarterback with the third overall Ooh. pick just in ca- just in case Tua doesn't work out? Controversy because you're trading an All Pro. He Deshaun Watson is a franchise quarterback oh, already. Yeah, he and, is, and you should never trade him because you don't and get. Those yeah, guys. you should never trade him, but they probably are going to because they're idiots. Yes, and I mean, do you? <laughs> there's some thought around that I've seen around the league that Miami's not sold on Tua. He didn't look very good after the after looking great against the Cardinals. He didn't look very good. Yeah, that was his, his great game. That's just that's awesome. Um, oh man, I think what I would do if I were if please I were, not the Niners, no, please no. for the not, love not of the Rams all, is, and some twist oh. either. I don't think they can. Yeah, afford Yeah, because him. apparently now Sean McVay and Jared Goff are having problems. Oh, that means having relationship problems. That's an issue for Jared Goff. Just, not no, for no, 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 <laughs> dude. The Patriots are going to wind up with him. All right. I, I, they apparently have a lot of cap space, and they could absorb his contract. I'll tell you what. If you trade Deshaun Watson to the Patriots, you deserve what— You should have to hire Bill O'Brien back. You should. Uh, okay, let's—Kyrie uh, Irving winning a title this year with this Nets team would make you feel blank. Ugh. <laughs> it's a That's P- my PG-13 show. 
That's my answer. Ugh. <laughs> I can't stand Kyrie Irving. He's the one that would bother you the most, right? Like, I yes. know that a lot of people... I don't people... care. My... I've kind of soured on James Harden a bit. I haven't really had a problem with Kevin Durant other than it was kind of a cop-out when he went to the Warriors. I, yeah. I, I... <sighs> Kyrie Irving just doesn't care about basketball. And it's fine that he cares about other things. There's no problem with that. He seems like a philanthropic guy and and likes to be involved in the community. That's great. But you're getting paid 30 plus million dollars to play basketball and then he just decides to take a vacation. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you're going to... If- and then he comes back. I don't know if you saw his Zoom meeting today. He comes back and just acts like you know, he shouldn't have to answer these questions about why he was gone and did he know he broke the health and safety protocols? Did blah, 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 blah. Were you even communicating with your team? He acted totally bothered by having to answer those questions. I'm, I'm mystified by Kyrie Irving because I have heard interviews with him in the past, like long form interviews where he comes off as very thoughtful and introspective. But you're right. If he if he cares about playing basketball, he's not conveying that. And I don't think anybody would argue that if one of those three guys short circuits and completely just ends up sabotaging the Nets season, it's not going to be Kevin Durant. And I don't think it's going to be James Harden. It's going to be Kyrie Irving. My last one. You said we overlapped. My last one was Kyrie Irving related. Oh, what is it? Kyrie Irving will play blank games until he decides not to play anymore. (laughs) I think he'll get through this season. He's supposed to play tomorrow. Yeah. I, th- I think that I think he'll now play that they have this James season. Harden. Yeah, but it it also could go south real quick because they have James Harden. Uh, here, I'll ask you one more. If the Bills win the Super Bowl, Bills fans will blank, make tables extinct. <laughs> they will break every table. <laughs> Bills fans are. There's something else. They they're are, also really cool. Yeah. Do you they, see what they, they did with Lamar Jackson? Yeah. They donated a bunch of money. I forget how much they raised, like $250,000 or something like that. The, the last I saw last night, it was two ninety. dollars Wow. Believe, or yesterday after Because Lamar Jackson couldn't finish the game against the Bills because he left with a concussion. So yeah. I believe also they... <laughs> Weren't the Bills fans the ones that donated all that money to Andy Dalton's charity because they helped them win a game or something like that. I can't remember. Oh, you might be right. They did the thing with Josh Allen. Josh uh, Allen. They, that was earlier. Yeah, this year, but, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the Andy Dalton, I think you're, yeah. They are, but you talk about just like a fan base that moves as one. Like the Buffalo Bills, that, that fan base, they are just, I can't imagine one Bills fan not liking another Bills fan. And that said, I mean, they get really drunk and fight each other, but I feel like it's all out of love. I, I really want to experience a Bills tailgate in full one yeah, day. Yeah. Can you imagine a Bills tailgate? Like if this was a normal if this was a normal year and the Bills were hosting the Chiefs, can you imagine that tailgate in the snow? Oh. Everybody gets No like, table is safe. Yeah, I was gonna say, everybody gets one free arrest. Uh okay. <laughs> Coming up. Oh, that's fine, sir. <laughs> oh. Everybody gets one. <laughs> that's, 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 everybody within the Buffalo City limits, because we understand you're playing for the AFC Championship this weekend. All right. Uh, coming up, the Coyotes, three games into the season, playing without maybe their best player. And uh, that could be an issue coming up the rest of this week. That's next. It's the Rundown with Luke Lipinski on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. All 
All right, it's hockey season. I have hockey on in the uh, studio now, too. Actually, this is a good setup. I've got uh, Duke Pitt basketball on the left TV. Replay of Browns Chiefs on the Central TV. Or center TV. I don't know why I call it the Central TV. And then uh, I had Penguins Capitals on the right TV, but uh, that game just ended, so I don't know what's going on now. Uh, now I have no hockey. But the Coyotes are 1-1-1 uh, one, one, and one to begin the season. They have looked pretty good, I would say, in these first three games. Getting contributions from the guys that they need to get contributions from. Uh, Clayton Keller has a couple goals. Phil Kessel has three goals now this season. He had three in the first two games. Jacob Chikrin's on a three-game point streak to begin the season. I mean, that's you're looking at a top two-pairing defenseman in Chikrin, a former first-round pick. Uh, Darcy Kemper has looked decent. He hasn't looked dominant yet, but he's looked decent. Like Nick Schmaltz has a couple. With the guy that the guys that at times last season didn't contribute, and as a result, you would have thought the Coyotes would have missed the playoffs last year. So far, they are contributing, but the issue they have is they probably should have beat San Jose in the opener last Thursday. Fell behind, rallied late, got a point. Okay. Went out there, played San Jose again on on Saturday. Very clearly, uh, it wasn't that they dominated the game, but they controlled the entire game. So you're one and one zero and one coming out of that series, but you lost Oliver Ekman Larson towards the end of that game on Saturday, and he's out at least three games. He has already missed one of the games last night, and they missed him. I mean, they they led Vegas two nothing. Vegas is Vegas might be the only undefeated team left in hockey, other than Dallas, who hasn't played a game yet. And Florida, who's one and zero, it's just a wonderful time to try and navigate sports in this era. But of the teams that have actually played their schedule so far, Vegas is the only undefeated team in the Western Conference, even though that's not a real thing anymore. How about this? Since it's impossible to make a statement based on stats because everything has changed, Vegas is good, and the uh, the Coyotes play them four straight times, counting last night. So they. Um, not a great time to not have Oliver Ekman Larson. But I, yeah, I mean, if you haven't seen them play yet, looked really good on Saturday, looked really good in the second and third on Thursday, looked really good in the first and second last night. And last night, tomorrow, Friday, and Sunday, they are playing one of the uh, the front runners for the Stanley Cup this year in Vegas. So it's a good test for the Coyotes out of the gate. And Phil Kessel, as good as he has been his entire career, as bad as he was last season, if if he goes out there and scores anywhere near the like twenty eight goal pace he typically scores at, this team's going to be in a good spot. They are in a, a very strange division in that there are three really good teams and three probably not so good teams, and then the Coyotes in Minnesota are in the middle. It never plays out exactly how you would expect going into a season, but if it did play out that way, if it played out with Vegas and Colorado and St. Louis on top, and L.A., Anaheim, and San Jose at the bottom of the standings. It would just be basically a, a, a fight between the Coyotes and Minnesota for a playoff spot. I mean, it seemed like the Cardinals were going to make the playoffs. They didn't. It now seems like the Suns are going to make the playoffs. I mean, they haven't yet. They've only played 12 games. Coyotes actually did make the playoffs last year and could be in a, in a good spot to potentially get back again this year, based uh, at least based on what we've seen the first few games. I mean, you got to do it for the whole season, although that's only 56 games this year. Uh, all right. Let's wrap up with football here. And I know that we we got into this a little bit earlier with Deshaun Watson. What happens if either the Rams or the 49ers, even if they don't get Watson, 
What happens in this division if either or both of those teams upgrades at quarterback? Because I think we would all agree Jared Goff, and I think even if Sean McVay was here, he would agree Jared, Jared Goff maybe isn't the guy for the Rams to, to win a Super Bowl. And Jimmy Garoppolo is just kind of, he's okay. But if San Francisco got Watson, or if San Francisco got like Matthew Stafford, or if the Rams had Matthew Stafford or Matt Ryan, it's a little bit tougher for the Rams because they don't have a lot of, a lot of cap space. But if either of those teams upgrades, and specifically looking at San Francisco, how awful would it be if the Cardinals finished in fourth place in this division next year? I mean, you could be decent and still finish in fourth place. You could finish seven and nine and finish in last place. That's the worst case scenario, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, they, if Deshaun they, Watson gets traded yeah. to the 49ers. if Deshaun Watson gets traded to the 49ers, that team should be in the Super Bowl next year. They were, they were a win away from hoisting the Lombardi. With Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah, 11 months ago. Yeah. It feels like 11 years ago, but it really only was 11 if, months ago. And if they get completely healthy as well, like they had so many weapons out. Mostert was hurt on and off all year. Uh, Debo Samuel was hurt all year. Brandon Ayuk looks like he's going to be really good. Kittle. Kittle, yeah. Geez. Nick Bosa. <sighs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I just, yeah. if you... I, I, I think I'm maybe more optimistic on the Cardinals than most, although I got to be honest, those last two games put a pretty big dent in that optimism. But you go eight and eight this season, you finish two games ahead of San Francisco. You couldn't beat them when their quarterback was CJ Beathard, and most of those guys we just listed were out. If San Francisco were to get, let, let's not even say Deshaun Watson, if San Francisco gets Deshaun Watson, they are going to the Super Bowl next year. But if San Francisco gets. Matt Ryan or Matt Stafford or some of these guys that are are rumored to be available this offseason. There's supposed to be a lot of quarterbacks moving around this offseason. If San Francisco upgrades, I mean, the Cardinals are going to... I don't know what the Cardinals can do this offseason that's going to move them up in people's eyes. Like Now it's just kind of, let's wait and see if, if Cliff can coach a team to a winning record. But like if the Rams get better, if San Francisco gets better... This is probably already the toughest division in football. Right? I don't. I don't think it dropped off this year. Maybe the. Uh, yeah, maybe the AFC North. I. I'll bring it up for the sake of bringing it up. Uh oh. Should the Cardinals discuss if they should tr- try and trade for Deshaun Watson? <laughs> Just. I'll play devil's advocate. I'm not saying they should. I'd. Would lean towards no because Kyler Murray's still on his rookie deal, and you can build a team around that better than you can around Deshaun Watson's extension that he had, but that he signed last year. But he, you, you know what Deshaun Watson is? He is a legit MVP candidate. Let me answer your question two different they, ways. They don't have to do it. <laughs> Should they at least talk about it? Here, here's here's the okay. Here's my two answers. We only have a minute left. One, if the question is, is Deshaun Watson better than Kyler Murray? Right now, my answer is yes. I think it would be silly to say otherwise. That's not a knock on Kyler Murray. I think Kyler Murray, is. I've said numerous times on these airwaves, I think he'll be a top five quarterback by the end of next season. But Deshaun Watson already is. But no, the Cardinals shouldn't be discussing trading for him. But they're one of like eight teams that shouldn't be discussing trading for him. Like There are a lot of teams that Deshaun Watson would be a clear upgrade at quarterback and and really most of those teams need an upgraded quarterback. So I just I cannot 
I shouldn't say I can't believe it because they're the Texans. It wouldn't be as unbelievable as trading away DeAndre Hopkins last year for what they got. But I, how do you mismanage that that organization so badly where you have run DeAndre Hopkins out of town, you've essentially made Deshaun Watson feel like he wants to leave? I mean, at a certain point, I know J.J. Watt's a loyal guy, but there's a video of him apologizing to Deshaun Watson on behalf of the organization walking off the field. How much... And that team, that they have really, they have botched this unbelievably. If they if they end up trading Deshaun Watson, no way. All right, it's going to do it for us tonight. Thanks to Cody Fincher behind the glass. I'm Luke Lipinski. This has been the rundown on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station.